Welcome to the first episode of Don't Even Ask, a podcast about things strange and mysterious. I'm your host, Sabrina, and today on our first ever episode, we're going to talk about what happened to Brandon Swanson. Well, in order to figure out what happened to Brandon Swanson, we first need to establish who he even was. Brandon Swanson disappeared on May 14, 2008. At that time, he was a 19-year-old boy from Marshall, Minnesota. He was 5 feet and 6 inches tall and weighed 120 pounds. He was last seen in Canby, Minnesota because he went to a party with his friends to celebrate the last day of their classes. He was going to transfer colleges and go to Iowa, so it would have been a big change for him. He would have moved out and he would have had a different experience, so he just wanted to kind of have a goodbye party. We know that he drank, but we're not sure how much. Some people said he only had one beer and he acted very normal. Others said that he was definitely drinking. We do know that he got into the car, and when he drove back home, his car crashed into a ditch. Here we can now establish a timeline. At 1.54 a.m., he called his parents and explained to them what had happened. Yes, he crashed his car into a ditch, but he ensured them that he wasn't hurt. His parents understandably were not thrilled with the news, but they left immediately to go and help him. Brandon described a location to them, so that's where they headed. And when they got there, they called him and started flashing their headlights, saying, Brandon, maybe you can start walking towards us. Brandon told them, though, that he couldn't see the lights at all. He said, okay, let me try something. So he got back in his car and he started flashing his own headlights in the hope that maybe they would see them. But his parents said that they couldn't see anything either. As time went on, both sides got increasingly frustrated. Brandon eventually said that he was just going to walk and start walking towards the town of Lind because he knew a friend lived there. He said he knew which way it was. He could see the lights of a town in the distance. So he said, you know, it might take me a bit, but I just want to get somewhere and get home safely. During this walk, Brandon stayed on his phone with his father, Brian, for 47 minutes until 2.23 a.m. Brandon walks down a gravel road and he tells his dad that he was going to cut across a few fields to make his walk shorter. I'm sure it was dark and he was tired. And even though it was May, it might have been cold. At 3.10 a.m., Brandon told his father that he had encountered two fence lines and that he could hear running water. Then Brian heard his son yell and the line went dead. Brian immediately started trying to call his son back, but Brandon never answered. His parents drove around looking him for several more hours. At 6.30 a.m., his mother, Annette, decided to call the police to report that her son had gone missing, and despite their attempts, no one could find him. At first, the police ignored Annette, saying that since Brandon was an adult, he was allowed to not come home, and he was allowed to be missing if he wanted to. The police refused to send out an officer to look for Brandon, but Brandon's parents kept pushing the police, saying, we were just talking to our son. This is what happened. He didn't want to disappear. And soon the sheriff's office decided that since the Swansons were so worried about their son, that they would aid them in looking for him. This is where the search began. The police uncovered some interesting data when looking at Brandon's cell phone records. They noticed that the last satellite ping documented from his phone 
was recorded as being near the towns of Porter and Taunton, which was not close to Lind as Brandon had described to his parents. The following day, officers found his car, but it was 20 miles away from where he told his parents that he was. The car doors were open and the keys were missing. The officers report no evidence of foul play and they have no reason to believe he faked his disappearance. Things didn't really turn out because over the course of time, despite 500 volunteers covering 100 square miles looking for Brandon, they never found him. The search for Brandon continued into July and August of that year. Still no luck. As the summer started coming to an end, the water level in the Yellow Medicine River had gone down significantly. This gave hope to Brandon's family and all who searched for him that maybe they might find his body. However, by September, there were no more clues or evidence as to what happened to Brandon than there were originally. Brandon's parents searched for him almost every weekend until the weather no longer permitted him to. Once snow started, it was almost virtually impossible to keep looking for Brandon. However, Brandon's family made it clear that they had no intention of stopping their search and they would resume search efforts as soon as they possibly could. These people needed to find their son, and understandably, every night they went to bed not knowing what happened. So let's talk about some of the theories that could have happened. The first theory is that he hid in an abandoned structure to escape the cold. There is a lack of evidence for this theory, though, because they assume they would have found the structure by now or his body. The second theory is that he was attacked by an animal and may be taken away. It would have caused a fatal wound, but that would have meant that he probably bled out and there was no trace of that either. The third theory is that maybe he was picked up by a driver with malicious intent, but they think that he would have mentioned that to his dad on the phone. And if something dangerous was imminent, he probably would have stayed on the phone. I mean, it's possible that he dropped his phone, but even if so, why didn't his parents hear any background noises? Or maybe he fell into a drainage ditch or a well. But the top theory is that he fell into the river, as we mentioned, the Yellow Medicine River. But his body has still not been found to this day. There are a few additional facts that might clarify some things. Brandon's dad, Brian, said after the call ended, he kept calling back. The line was ringing and no one picked up, but that means the phone didn't die if the line kept ringing. Something else that they considered is that Brandon could have taken the highway home, but he didn't. Some say that he could have taken back roads to avoid the police. Maybe he was worried about getting a DUI. Additionally, Brandon was legally blind in one eye and he wore glasses. But here's the thing. His glasses were found left in his car when the police came to search it. So, what does all of this stuff mean? Well, that's up for you to decide if this ties into the mystery. When Brandon left his party at Canby, he could have mistakenly taken Highway 3 instead of Highway 68 thinking he was going south towards Lind, when in actuality he was heading south towards Taunton. And the road that his car got stuck on was gravel. Both these roads were gravel and looked similar, so it's definitely understandable that he could have mixed the two up. 
If he did go towards Taunton, it would have put him on crash course with the river. Again, they did find his car, but it's possible that on his walk, looking for his family or looking for help, that's where he ended up. The main issue in this case is the lack of evidence. Again, it's 2020 at this point, and we really still have no more information now than we did before. Brandon left his vehicle. If you're in this situation, please never do this. If you're stranded and there's even a small chance that you don't know where you are, please stay with your car. You are way more likely to be spotted or found if you stay with your car. Let's say only one car passes by you in 24 hours. Well, at least that's 24 hours that you're safe, that maybe you're not hungry or you're not lost or cold or left in the elements. In the aftermath of his vanishing, measures were taken to improve the response of authorities in cases of missing adults under the age of 21. So again, ages 18 to 21. Brandon's law took effect in Minnesota on July 1st, 2009. The law states, and I quote, the law will require law enforcement to take a missing persons report without delay after notification of someone missing under dangerous circumstances, no matter the missing person's age. Immediately conduct a preliminary investigation to determine if the person is missing and whether the person is endangered, and promptly notify all other law enforcement agencies of the situation. It clarifies that the agency taking the report be the lead agency in the investigation. End quote. Essentially, this law requires Minnesota police to begin an immediate search if an adult goes missing from ages 18 to 21 or older adults who may have vanished under suspicious circumstances. If you have any information regarding Brandon or his disappearance, please contact the Lincoln County Sheriff at 507-694-1664. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of my podcast. I'm in the process of creating an email and Instagram account that you can use to contact me, whether you have any questions, want to add any clarifying details, or even want to suggest a future episode. Again, I'm working on this, so hopefully it will be up by the time the next episode launches. Until then, have a wonderful day, don't forget to subscribe, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.